Hello and welcome to the Trauma and Mental Health Reports podcast series. We aim to share stories and knowledge on topics related to trauma and mental health with the community. My name is Ali Vesia, and I'd like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Lauren Harser. Today, we will be discussing uh, communication skills. So let's get right into today's conversation. Lauren, can you briefly name one or two strategies for effectively communicating what we need? So if like communication is one of the key things in life, right? And without communication and without knowing how to communicate what we need and what we want, we unfortunately won't get them met. So communication is one of the most important things that we need to really learn and harness. And there's a few different like ways of going about it. So definitely one way is to definitely like stop and like a pause and reflection moment to really acknowledge uh, the ways in which we are feeling, what's being said, what's being done, what it's triggering and having compassion for ourselves. And the next kind of step is to have compassion for the other person, Mm -hmm. understanding what the other person's going through, what the other person's experiencing what's maybe going on in their life that is making them like act that way. Not that it's okay, but Mm -hmm. what is it exactly that's going on for them? And then from there being able to name a specific kind of emotion or feeling Mm -hmm. and maybe even where you feel it in the body. Like, you know, like I feel sad and I feel it in the pit of my stomach Mm -hmm. or like I feel angry and I feel it in my temples or whatever it is. Right. And really acknowledging what our emotion is, naming that emotion, and maybe where it triggers in the body. Sometimes you may not know where it triggers in the body, but you can always figure out where, or sorry, you can always figure out what the emotion is, but not necessarily where it is. Mm -hmm. But those are kind of two tactics to look at. And then from there, being able to take those emotions and bring them forth to the other person and be like, hey, well, when this happened, I felt whatever you felt, right? angry, sad, uh, upset, hurt, whatever your emotions were triggered and be able to communicate it with the other person in a safe kind of healthy way using the words I feel and not being like, I feel like you're not being nice because that does not help at all because that's kind of a blamatory kind of negative way of going about it. Mm -hmm. But instead of that, more focusing on the idea of like, I feel sad like when like whenever you said this like I felt sad when you said that or I felt sad when when this happened or whatever it is and try to leave the you like you did this like try to leave that out as much as you can mm-hmm. like sometimes you may have to bring up them because yes they did that action but you have to come from a place of how you felt when a certain thing happened or when a said certain thing was done mm-hmm. or said wow thank you it's a wonderful way to effectively communicate what we need because it puts the, I guess, attention and our awareness on ourselves and <clears throat> how we're feeling. Um, exactly. So that kind of leads into my next question. How does one go about effective communication without creating confrontation? And I feel like you touched on that a little bit, but can you elaborate a little bit more? Absolutely. So I think in that moment of some sort of conflict, sometimes the best call is to remove yourself from the situation. Mm -hmm. 
if you're really heated, you're very angry, you're very emotional and you're not thinking straight, it's always really important to separate yourself from that person and just say like, you know what, like, I'm just going to take a minute to myself to reflect on what just happened or what you just said or whatever it is. Yeah. And take that minute to pause and reflect and remove yourself from the situation. Mm -hmm. And in other cases, it's like, maybe we can respond in that moment, but we have to try to, or maybe we can't respond in that moment, right? So like, if we can respond in the moment, then just like I said earlier, it's like, we have that conversation of like, hey, well, like, when you said like, like, I felt this certain way, or, or it triggered this in me when you had said this. And a kind of way of bringing about the conversation, if it's something that happened and just felt like a weird, like a, it left like a weird taste in your mouth or something like that after you left that person, mm -hmm. and, or you like thought about it afterward, and you're like, you know what, that doesn't sit well with me. I think the best way to kind of bring about a conversation like that is to go up to them and be like, Hey, like, um, there's something that has been bothering me that I, I'd really like to discuss with you mm -hmm. and, and try not to come from a place of attacking, but yet like a place of love, but also just firmness in however you're feeling and however their actions or words have affected you. Yeah. Being on the, on the receiving end of that, what are some strategies for effective listening? It's a very good question. So effective listening kind of goes in similar ways. It's like, especially when the conflict is brought up in like a really like more like receivable way of like, hey, I felt this way, like when you did this or whatever. And that's another thing is when you are communicating it, you want to be able to, while you're communicating, you, you have to think about how the other person is going to receive the information that you're giving them. Mm -hmm. So when you're on the receiving end, ideally, if the person thinks about that and is like, hey, how would that person take that? How would that person like receive what I'm saying? So when you become mindful and conscious of that, and you're like, okay, well, if someone said this to me, then I would feel okay. Then you can share that. And on the receiving end, to be a better listener is to not, to really listen to what the person's sharing, like what emotions that came up for them and what, what kind of feelings or experiences that they were having because of the actions or words that you have said. Mm -hmm. And try not to come from a place of like ego or defensiveness and just really focus on like what is being communicated and maybe areas in which you may need to improve or work on or become better at recognizing and understanding because it's very rare in a conflict that two people know how to communicate effectively. Yeah. Uh, never mind even one person being able to communicate effectively. So when two people are able to communicate effectively, it just brings about so much harmony and peace within the relationship because any kind of conflict is resolved very, very quickly because both parties are willing to share their emotions and receive their emotions from the other person. So. Wow. <clears throat> so how does listening to others and being listened to in return impact our mental health? So, I mean, there's so many people that grew up in families that like their parents didn't really validate them or like really listen to them. Yeah. 
some people did, some people didn't, but it's very, very hard to find people that actually see you and like understand you or even want to understand you. Like even like, don't even get me started on like the millennial and like Gen X dating scene right now. Right. It's like, there's a lot of like ghosting and a lot of like lack of communication that becomes really detrimental to relationships. So I think it's really important to acknowledge and be mindful when you're speaking to another person of like, how is that person going to receive what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because you might be speaking to someone, you might make some sort of joke that's actually offensive to that specific person because of whatever experience they've gone through. And they have mentioned that experience to you, or, or maybe they haven't. And if they haven't, then it's not really your fault, but they still can have the right to communicate that like, hey, that joke made me uncomfortable or whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. Or I felt uncomfortable when I heard you say that joke, right? Is probably the better way of putting it. But yeah, I find that once we can kind of be harmonious in those conversations, it becomes a lot easier in terms of conflict, like conflict, like is solved before it even is conflict. Right. And yeah, I think it's really important to be able to have an open-ended conversation where both people's needs and feelings are understood, validated and heard and supported because I feel as though we live in a very narcissistic society where people are just very obsessed with their phones and social media and being liked and being popular. Mm -hmm. And they're not as focused on real connection and really understanding other people. Um, I find a lot of people are just really involved with themselves and their own experiences uh, to not even think about the fact that like there's other people around that are maybe being affected by your words or actions. Mm. And it's also like the world would be a very scary place if you're not able to communicate your wants and needs. Mm. And I think it can take time to really hone in on like what makes you uncomfortable, what makes you happy, what doesn't, and really understand what your feelings and needs are. And that takes like a lot of self-esteem and inner power and inner work to be able to get to that place where you can clearly state your yeses and your noes, right? Like, because communicating your needs is still related to boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. And if someone's crossing your boundaries and you don't know how to communicate and you freeze, it can be really scary for that person experiencing that. Yeah. So I think it's really important to learn what our boundaries are, what our yeses and what our noes are, and being able to communicate those with a lot of love and in a way that honors you, but also like honors the other person. Like, for example, what if someone on the bus is like giving you like eyes that they're like interested in you and you're not interested, like maybe you're in a relationship or you're just not interested. Mm -hmm. And instead, and they're like trying to talk to you and instead of just ignoring them and getting scared by being like, hey, excuse me, like I feel quite uncomfortable with the way that you're trying to get my attention and I would appreciate it if you stopped, right? Yeah. instead of just getting frightened and like curling up in a little ball and not expressing. And I understand like everyone's at a different place within their healing journey and their ways of being able to set boundaries, but there's nothing wrong with expressing like a no thank you to somebody if whatever they're offering or presenting or doing is making you uncomfortable. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of really valuable information that you've shared there. And there's one thing that you mentioned that I 
uh, appreciate if you touched more on um, or elaborated on a little bit. Um, you mentioned inner work. Mm -hmm. um, so how would, how does one go about inner work and how does that affect uh, communication? So we all have our traumas, right? Yeah. I think like to some degree we're all crazy, right? <laughs> um, and I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's like, we're all human by design. We're all flawed. We all have our, our traumas. We all have our challenges. We all have our difficulties. We all have our shadow, like the darker sides of ourselves, the darker experiences that we've had. And with that, it's, we have to kind of go inward and do that work on ourselves to be able to, to clear out these triggers and traumas and things like that. So on some degree, it's the person with the triggers and traumas is experience that might be causing triggers from other people's comments, words, or things like that. So when we can acknowledge that, like, let's say your mother is always working and not listening, and then you have a partner who like is not really listening or is trying to multitask with you, like that is a huge trigger for that person. Right. So there's two sides of that coin. It's like, yes, the person with the trigger needs to mention that, yes, I have, this is a trigger and I'm working on that. I see it's the trigger and I'm going to try to realize that you're not my mother. You're not trying to do what she does. And then the other side of that is the other person understanding like, oh, that's a trigger. So I'm going to try to give this person 100% of my attention when I'm communicating with them so that they don't feel that trigger. So it comes on both sides. It's like, there's really two sides to each coin. It's like, we all kind of have places to work on. It's like back to the situation of like someone making you feel uncomfortable on the bus. It's like, well, that person might be feeling rejected that you're not interested, but at the same time, they're breaching your boundaries and they're making you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So you have to express that and they have to understand that but you also have to do it and communicate it in a way that's not mean. It's not like an F off kind of reaction because I mean, it can get to that for sure. I, I think we've all <laughs> kind of had experiences or understand experiences where people can get like way too much that like they've reached your boundary so far that you have to give like an F off. But in this case, it's, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's just making you feel a little uncomfortable because he's clearly interested and you're not right. So mm -hmm. It's, it's interesting. It's like, there's so much that we can all uh, learn about ourselves in terms of like our triggers and our traumas and our pain and whatever experiences that we've had in the past yeah. that may have other situations trigger it or make us uncomfortable or yeah. sad or angry or whatever it is. Yeah. So it sounds like a large part of this inner work is becoming aware of ourselves. And exactly. Do you maybe have one specific way that ha that you've used or that you've noticed others use or helping others to use that um, can facilitate that inner work? So I guess like a higher level of consciousness in terms of what is happening in our mind and our body. And I guess one really healthy way to do that is through meditation. Mm. And I mean, some people think that like meditation is just sitting there and like just closing your eyes and being in silence, but that's not true. There's so many different kinds of ways of meditation. There's even 
dance and like movement meditation, yoga, um, mantra meditation, transcendental meditation, guided meditation, um, Wim Hof, like other pranayama and breathing work. Like there's just so many different things that we can do to try to still the mind. Even exercise is very useful as well in general. And I guess like trying to slow the mind down to understand what's going on in there and becoming mindful of the thoughts and like behavior patterns that we have and the pain and the difficulties that we've experienced in our lives and really honoring them and really understanding them to the best of our ability. So another good way is also journaling, like writing down any emotions or feelings or traumas or triggers or anything that's coming up with, for you in your day. Yeah. or in your week um and i think like there's so many different ways to be mindful but yeah i guess like those are the two things that i would really highly recommend but another would ob obviously be to seek out help right find somebody who can support you and understand you and validate you um that could be like a friend or a family member but ideally even like a life coach or like a healer or some sort of guide or therapist or something to be able to hold space for the experiences that you're having. Because while you can do it alone, it's important to have someone that you trust around that can hold space for that. Mm -hmm. I feel that this last question is related to what you just mentioned here. And so how do we show someone that we're listening without saying anything? Can these practices facilitate that experience? I'd say so, yeah. I guess for one, it's it's very much like eye contact, mm -hmm. nodding, like responding, mm-hmm, oh yeah, okay, I understand, mm-hmm, like, right? So allowing the other person to know that you are listening. And I mean, it doesn't necessarily require any training to be a good validator or listener, but Definitely you want to avoid saying things like, oh, well, I'm sorry you feel that way or like things will get better and things like that. It's like, it's, it's kind of invalidating. Yeah. I mean, you could say that things will get better, but you first have to really acknowledge what the other person is saying and mirror the words back to them. Mm -hmm. They're saying like, oh, well, like I'm having trouble at school or with like my math or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay. So I understand that like math is really difficult for you. Right. So being able to like mirror back to the other person and really validate and understand the other person's experience. And that's the same thing when conflict comes up, right? So conflict comes up and it's like, okay, well, like, I'm so sorry that I made you feel like uncomfortable. Like I, that's not my intention. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Like what can I do to not make you feel uncomfortable? Yeah. Right. And yeah, I guess nodding, eye contact, full attention. So not being on your phone, not closing your eyes and disappearing while the other person is sharing because that feels really invalidating and really unsupportive. And maybe you're like closing your eyes to like do a quick like meditation or something like that, but it could be kind of rude to the other person sitting there who's trying to express themselves to you. And again, like they could have that mother that was too busy working to pay attention and now you're not paying attention, right? So it's really important to give 100% your attention. And I mean, that doesn't mean that like you should have a friend that 24 seven is doing that and you're becoming their therapist. Like there's boundaries involved, of course, or maybe they're like, Hey, like, can we talk? And you're like, you know what? I really want to talk, but I'm at work and I can't right now. 
but like how are you available at this time and trying to find a time to be supportive and to be validating to that person instead if it doesn't align with the exact moment that they need it like the other person has to also understand your boundaries but or maybe like some people might be too much for you and it's like okay well you have to communicate to them that you think that they might benefit from from seeing a therapist or something like that and just to remind them that you're not that for them that you're like a dear friend and you love and care about them but or maybe they some people rely a little too heavily on other people as well right so some people may come off as being toxic or like too much and things like that in certain circumstances because they're like constantly like calling their friend because they're suicidal instead of calling a mental health professional that is actually trained to work with that right so yeah, <laughs> I think I trailed off a little bit there, but still all relevant. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And that concludes this podcast. And so you've reached the end of this episode with the Trauma and Mental Health Report podcast. Thank you for joining us. And you can connect with us at trauma.blog.yorku.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter to see our latest content. See you at the next episode. And thank you so much, Lauren. You're welcome.